Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. This is an encore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I am JT, of course, along with my co-host, Ms. Leanne Whippen. The rest of the guys are running around in the back room. We'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way uh, nature was intended to make it. That's PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. So our guest today is Matt Moore. He's got a new book called Butcher on the Block. Uh, Matt's been on the show before. He's a lot of fun, but I got to start this whole show out with one really relevant question, Matt. <clears throat> my co-host is also my co-pilot, and she wants <laughs> to know exactly what kind of plane she you were flying because her dad was a commercial pilot and she takes flying I, lessons. Yeah, I, I flew Cessna 152. That's kind of what it looked like. It's a PA-28, a Cherokee, uh, ah. Piper Cherokee. Yeah, so uh, very similar, but mm -hmm. low wing. And uh, I've owned that plane now for about seven years. So we, we time travel as much as possible uh, writing these books and, and traveling around. Well, That's good awesome. for you, man. Um, that must be nice. Not a lot of traffic jams when you're doing that. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, you and I, we've been fortunate to connect a couple of times. When I was writing the barbecue book, I used to say that when we would see the smoke and smell it, that's when we knew we were safe to land. So that's <laughs> safe. to land. Yeah. Okay. Um, one quick question here. Hold on just one second. I forgot to do something. There you go. Um, you know, the premise of the book is uh, the title, of course, is Butcher on the Block. And you've got some great stories we're going to get into in a little bit. But it is hard anymore to find a good butcher shop. There's when I was growing up, uh, my mom worked in a grocery store. The the meat department, it had a professional butcher back there, and they used to get in quarters and full sides and all that stuff. You rarely see that anymore. And so my question is, you had to probably do some digging to find these people. And I was amazed at their their skill levels and what they've developed over years, because that's just not a readily made business for people to walk into. Yeah, you know, it, it started for me. Um, I always joke around an author is only as good as their last book. And uh, this is my fifth cookbook. And, you know, a couple of books ago, we wrote about all the good that happens low and slow. The South's best butts travel the pit um, barbecue yeah. uh, belt. And you know, focused on that and then followed that with Serial Griller, uh, which was everything live, hot and fast. And, you know, I kind of struggled for a while about what would be the next book topic. How do I continue to explore, you know, my passion? I think what a lot of readers come to me for both barbecue and grilling. And, you know, I just started back at the beginning with my my grandfather. He was a, a butcher. My great great grandfather was a butcher as well. And I thought that was a really cool way to 
you know, just walk into the butcher shop and it includes meat, game, it includes seafood and vegetables too, uh, in today's world of butchering. And having spent a lot of time in Europe, you know, that is one idea that people still do go to the, the local bakery or the butcher shop. And I would say that during COVID, you know, when I would peruse, whether it was the, the, the supermarket or wherever you were trying to find ingredients during that period, right. I noticed things like whole chickens and beef ribs and, you know, London broils that were just not being picked up. And it kind of spawned the idea that, hey, maybe there is something here of, of leveraging the platform of, of not only the great personalities that work behind the counter, but also showcasing the people this, this whole new world. And I do think that you're seeing personally a bit of a resurgence in the locally owned butcher shop mm-hmm. that is coming back in, in a lot of different communities. And it's not just in the big town, not just the super expensive, but I think people are demanding for, for better. And you are seeing um, I think more and more of that local specialty butcher pop up across the country. I have a, I have a cousin that's owned a butcher shop for, I don't know, 40 years or something. He kind of came in there as an, if you will, an apprentice or an intern and ended up buying the place and all that. And so um, they're there, but it's out where we live. You still have to kind of search for them a bit. Um, yeah, you, you might take a town of, you know, 50,000 people and there might be one if you're lucky like that. And the specialty yeah. shops, you know, they're, they're coming back. I would agree with you, but they're, it's going to be a while. Yeah. I mean, for me, obviously we, we focused on the, the local specialty, but I mean, great example is just right down the street from me. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Tommy Kelly, he is the the butcher at the local Kroger, which is mm-hmm. you know, a big grocery store chain and uh, has different names throughout the country. And I, I think even though it's not locally owned, it doesn't take away from the fact that there's really great people that are working there and kind of serving their constituents every day. And, you know, Tommy will be the first to tell you that at most mass supermarkets, unlike my grandfather, who would bring in sides and, and quarters from Kansas City, Nowadays, most of it's already come in and it's already been handled. You know, they may do something custom like trim a tenderloin or break down, um, you know, certain quantities, if you will. But, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. Really, the theme of the book is just fostering that relationship with those folks that that are giving, whether it is some high end, super local, you know, supermarket or it is going to be, um, a, a, you know, more of a, a chain or, or specialty place. The one thing I do think that's important is check out your areas. Uh, because there's a lot of great butchering that are going on in some of the, the smaller uh, stores that might be around that you may not think of as, as a true butcher shop as well. Mm-hmm. So the question that really comes to mind is how tough was it to get out of that uh, three-point stance with Tommy Kelly? <laughs> hey, you said the older we get, the more <laughs> touchdowns we scored and the bigger the fish we caught. And I'll tell you what, uh, I got it just fine, but getting out of it, I didn't feel like uh, old Parkview football from uh, Georgia anymore. It was a tough one, but we still got in it. We still did it, and we got out of it, and we have a picture to prove it. I, I will tell you, I was impressed as hell that you could still do that. And, and Tommy's not a little guy. He's not no, huge, When he told he... me, when he told me to play football, I just immediately got down in the stance, and he's like, are we doing this? I'm right here right now. <laughs> <laughs> You all, you always have humor in your books too, Matt. You know, you've got a little anecdotal humor there about the people you talk to. So you're right when the um, 
a lot of the big stores, Kroger, Fred, it's Fred Myers out here, but same company. Uh, they get box meat. It's a lot easier the box meat, but we have a, a a sponsor. You heard me talk about it, Painted Hills Natural Beef, and and the the head of the company comes on quite a bit, and we talk about beef markets and things that are happening in that. But one of the things that happens in in when they get the boxed meat is the the trim and everything else that they've done at the processing plant. That can be sold into secondary markets and you don't see it, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. I'm, I'm just going to throw something out like oxtails. Okay. Sure. You don't see a lot of oxtails in a Kroger store or Fred Meyer store, uh, but it's a, it's a great piece of meat to work with. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one thing that's, that's so important is when you do have that local butcher, um, one of my favorite things to source there for folks that might, you know, whatever they, they don't want to go in or they don't want to pay a certain price, but the, the ground meat, you know, just fresh ground meat. Oftentimes they are putting the trimmings of maybe some really good dry age stuff and just the consistency and the quality. So yeah, I think you've seen one of the more interesting trends that I saw was in Milwaukee. So Bavette, um, you know, it, uh, Karen Bell is really, really more of a formally trained chef that spent most of her time in Europe. And when she came back to Milwaukee, her hometown, she wanted to start a whole animal butcher shop. She did hire a gentleman, um, a German who worked in the A&P's chain, who basically lost his, the supermarket stopped allowing him to butcher in house. And she hired him to make the local sausages, but she reached an impasse where the butcher shop alone wasn't sustaining her. So she actually created a restaurant next door to showcase something like a beef tongue that she put into a Reuben sandwich, right? So she mm -hmm. was trying to be able to have both a whole animal butchery shop and a restaurant next door to expose the audience that, hey, there's more out there besides filet mignon and top sirloin and, you know, the rest of the, what most folks might traditionally procure. I still think she's a spy. I'll just tell you. <laughs> a spy. <laughs> If you, book, right? <laughs> yeah, if you follow the path of her travels and then coming back to Wisconsin, she, she works for somebody, I'm telling you. <laughs> Nobody oh, goes great. to Venezuela just for the hell of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was maybe a love interest there. I didn't pursue it too long. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. So we, we got a few minutes left in this segment, Matt. You know, there's different cuts but yet they're the same cuts, but different names, uh, depending on the butcher, um, you know, by region, by butcher, by, by that they're, um, you know, pecana or a sirloin cap or something like that. You know, they're all kind of the same, but in, in your research for putting, putting the book together for it's Monday folks, I can't talk. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Did you find a lot of that or are they coming back to a more generic, this is a top sirloin all the way across the board? No, I think that that's what makes it so beautiful is the fact that different cultures uh, approach different cuts and techniques and still have their own names for doing so. You know, one of my favorite stops was one of the last stops we made in the book, which was Williamsport, PA, um, and really only came across this place because... Uh, I got stuck there for several nights in, in, in the, the winter and American Airlines couldn't get me out of there. And um, I met a chef there, Vince DeSalvo. He owns a restaurant. And the first night that we were at the bar, he started bringing me charcuterie and telling me of this grand tradition of 
uh, growing up in an Italian family and how they would butcher a whole animal, a whole hog every year. And uh, years later, I picked up the phone and I called him. I said, when was the last time you went through that? And he said, my father passed. We haven't done it in years. We got to take a break here on Barbecue Nation, but we're going to be back with Matt Moore, um, his new book, Butcher on the Block. I actually recommend this book because we're going to talk about some of the people and stories in it when we come back. You're listening to Barbecue Nation on the USA Radio Network. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. Um, We've got Matt Moore with us today. Matt's new book, Butcher on the Block. Uh, Probably, I found this fascinating. A lot of the stories, besides making fun of of uh, Karen, you know, who is still a spy and like that, and Tommy Kelly, and you guys reliving your football days with bad knees. But um, a lot of the the people you wrote about, and one line that really, really struck me, and it it was, I think it was with Omar, it said, duties earned are earned, not inherited. No, that was from the Rim family, excuse me. I found that a really intriguing kind of process and thought process because a lot of these are family businesses or derivative of family businesses over the years. But I found that really fascinating, that duties are earned, not inherited. Yeah, you know, I'm, I think a family business, the, the way that the RIMS have structured it, uh, was our first trip uh, in Butcher on the Block. So Andrea Behrens, who shoots, um, shot the last three books for me, she, she came to me a few months prior to leaving and said, hey, by the way, I'm pregnant. Um, so that was a <laughs> unique wrinkle for us through book season. So we actually shot about a quarter of the book uh, with baby bear uh, in her belly and then finished the book. Uh, with his, with him on the road and her husband Christian, but in Cambridge City, you know, they, they told me this story. It's it's really generational. It's it's third generation, about to be fourth, and and what happens is the actual family members actually have to to buy into the business, and I found that really really unique because some siblings decided not to pursue that path, mm-hmm. where others have taken on that responsibility to carry to carry the family tradition, and I think that's one of the reasons it's a tough gig. You know, they're up and early at the plant by 4 a.m. and working long hours and long days. And sometimes it's a thankless job. But it's still a great business. And and having them actually invest into it, I think, is one of the reasons that you've seen it uh, last so long. Uh, you don't. A lot of family businesses, not so much in the food or butcher business, but a lot of family businesses that I know uh, did not succeed because they brought the younger kids in and whatever happened, whatever the circumstances, excuse me, um, it just didn't work uh, like the founders of the business. First and second generation folks made it happen. Anyway, um, there's a lot of traditions that we were just talking about and knowledge there. What's the biggest take you brought home from writing this book, Matt, about that? You know, I think at the end of the day, the book is somebody um, the first line of the book is that this is not a book about butchering per se, rather it's about the butcher. And for me, I think we have this opportunity, uh, whether it is walking into the, the back of the supermarket or going into your local store 
and 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 being able to glean knowledge from somebody who's always ready, willing, and able to to give you some of the best tips and and tricks and secrets that might be out there. If you think about it, you know we're often walking into a shop and and maybe asking questions like, you know, what do you suggest? Or hey, can you make me this? Or you don't have this out? Can you cut it this way? Can you get me that? And then my favorite that the butcher always gets asked is, how do you cook this? Right? Mm-hmm. Almost every butcher should probably have their own cookbook. And so I think that as you mentioned earlier, this is a trade that I didn't want to approach uh, as a writer trying to, to teach you how to butcher. We, we do feature a primer on how to break down chickens, trim it, line, fillet a fish, French and pork chop. But I want you to, to create a conduit to that because they have so much knowledge to give. And, and in folks like a, a friendship and, and community, and it's a way to kind of broaden uh, those overall horizons. So for me, it is just through the lens of the butcher. It's a general cookbook, a lot of different methods, a lot of different ingredients, but most importantly, it's great people at the core. There are, <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting stories. There's a lot of great recipes in it. Some I'm gonna I'm gonna latch onto this coming weekend when I've got some time. But um, one of the interesting stories I read about was I'm just gonna say Smith and Jackson down in New Orleans. Uh, that was kind of a one of these deals and all the like that. Is I don't know if you can follow my hands on the screen, but that's what it looked uh-huh. like to me. Yeah, I can't write a cookbook without going to New Orleans. You know, I mean, it, to me, it's my favorite place and maybe in the world. And it's just one of those places that you got to spend enough time there to appreciate the beauty of the unknown, uh, like us showing up and there's a, a hole that's the size of a uh, a pit in the middle of the street and they had to close for the day, but they're still open and they're still serving people and they didn't charge for anything because they knew the people were going to come stay. Uh, but you have folks like Leanne, who worked for uh, Donald Link at Cochon, really a formerly trained chef, that goes back in time to do the harder work for Left Bay because they wanted to, you know, open a local butcher shop. You know, something that in New Orleans was on every corner and, and maybe not so much. And I love that dynamic of friendship of, um, you know, seeing a market and, and, and chasing it and then, you know, making it their own. And speaking of humor... You know, they're the, the friends that make the bologna for Mason at Turkey and the Wolf and all the other pieces and have their own takes. So you do have chefs that are butchers that, you know, you do sit down at the restaurant and enjoy some incredibly fantastic food. Probably one of the best places to eat in a city that's known for having, you know, some of the best restaurants in the world. How many bologna sandwiches did you eat? I ate about three from them. But I'll tell you what I had the most was the boot and egg rolls. Um, <laughs> I think we put it in there. But I think Leanne for back to New Orleans, stopped at a truck stop. And, you know, truck stops in Louisiana have boudin egg rolls. She got a couple, maybe ate it an hour into the trip and turned back around and then went back and got more. So she created another two-hour diversion to get more egg rolls. But that's a, a great harmony of great food. <laughs> if my Leanne did that, we'd have to have a talk. I was going to say, that's not me, but I wish it was. <laughs> uh, well, we've got a... Um, a vegetable butcher that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. I found that pretty, pretty fascinating too, because those are two words that don't usually go together, vegetable and butcher. That's yeah. You know, I wanted to really present a broad book here, not only in in traveling from Chinatown in San Francisco to the South of France, the different cuisines and cultures, but also what is the idea of butchering? You know, it's something I approached in the barbecue book that, this is a subject that continues to evolve. So Caramangini was actually the first vegetable butcher in Italy, uh, which is the famous kind of open market in, in New York and beyond. And, you know, there's a true need for it because she stood on the floor and people would bring her items like 
cabbage to kohlrabi and say, how do I, how do I approach this? And, you know, she's just really trying to say that vegetables can be more of the center of the plate. Um, and we spent a fantastic day with her um, during our travels. She created a concept in, in Ohio and then I met her in San Francisco. And, you know, it's just a, a further mission that I felt like was worth highlighting in this book that it's not just meat and game. We include seafood, but vegetables as well. Well, you got the whole gamut there. Um, we're going to take another break. We're going to be back with Matt Moore to talk about his new book, Butcher on the Block. Um, it's a great book. And I I mean, it just is because Matt's a great writer. And I don't say that because he's been on the show before, but I have several of his books. And he is a great writer in the way he presents it. And so we're going to talk about some more things that might make you scratch your head when we come back on Barbecue Nation. Hey, are you ready to fire up your grill and get ready to taste the difference this spring and summer? Hi, I'm JT, and I'm thrilled to announce our further collaboration with Painted Hills Natural Beef to bring you your best barbecue experience. As a special treat, Barbecue Nation listeners get a 15% off discount by just typing in the code Barbecue Nation when you check out. So all you got to do is go to the Painted Hills Natural Beef website, click on the store, place your order, and when it has discount or code at the bottom, type in BBQ Nation. Don't miss out on this really juicy deal from Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-pilot, Ms. Leanne Whippen. We're talking with Matt Moore today on his new book, Butcher on the Block. But before that, we've got to say thank you again to Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. And I'm trying to see if we can get them to extend their new uh, online sales promotion for another month or so for Barbecue Nation listeners. Went pretty good, but... You know, they're just getting out of the blocks with that thing. So we want to we want to see if we can help them out a little more. And also. Right there in the middle of your screen on the top, Leanne Whippen, mm-hmm. Trim Tabs, Pig Powder, Barbecue Dry Rub. Uh, her dad, Jim Tab, uh, developed it. It won the best rub on the planet award It's used by winning pit masters for over 30 years and is now available online at pigpowder.com. And um, I know I've actually had some people email me, Leanne, you should be getting some more orders there. So I'm just going to. I have. They come in on a daily basis, sometimes six a day plus. It's a lot. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So we're talking with Matt Moore now. Um, New um, Butcher on the Block, his new book, I should say it like that. So one guy I wanted to talk to before we got into some recipes and uh like uh new veed steaks that intrigued me matt i must say but omar omar that's a guy who really laid it on the line to get here and then and when he finally came north the second time instead of going left he t- took a right and it it changed his life yeah you know um I purposely try not to to do too much research before I, I pop on site. I wanted to represent uh, the beautiful tradition of the carniceria. And a few folks had, had mentioned just the quality uh, in Enterprise, Alabama. So I, I hopped in the Piper in Nashville and flew down there and uh, landed in Troy. And then when I was driving down, I, 
I, I passed this monument uh, to the bull weevil and it had to dig back in my mind about the bull weevil of what, what occurred back in that time frame. But ultimately it was a, an infestation that really the, the cotton crop uh, that everybody kind of deemed as one of the worst things that it ever had. But really, uh, they, they herald it to their prosperity now these days because it created diversification and they went on to, to farm other things. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how that made its way into the story. Maybe it was destiny or time. But when I met Omar, as you mentioned, tried several times to come here to the United States, uh, ultimately to set up his own business and, and create a family to the point where he's a, he's a hardworking American and he's employing other Americans. And he's also showcasing uh, the food and the cuisine of his culture um, which, you know, sitting there for the day and just seeing that man work, um, man, he's a guy that could actually get down in the three-point stance and get right back up without any problem. Just an absolute <laughs> hard worker. Um, and I love those stories because that's really the foundation of how this country was built. It's good people oh, that yeah. want to come here and, and want to create a better lives for themselves and others. Um, he just also happens to add some incredible food to boot. So when he reached into that pot and gave you that big hunk of meat and you said it, it kind of burned your mouth, but it also melted in your mouth. Did you go, this guy's, this guy's got it. Yeah. I mean, there's few bites that, that make you stand and, and remember time and place. Uh, that's certainly one of them. So those, the, that, that true kind of barbacoa cooked in the, the copper pot with the carnitas, uh, you know, at some point you can't wait for them to make it. You just say, let me have it now. That's the one benefit of, of coming is you kind of get to choose your own rules. Um, so that was uh, one of those times that I pulled a little bit of rank. <laughs> well, I like that. And I noticed that you, when you went down and you were like kind of building your own tacos and stuff or, uh, I would do that. Yes, <laughs> I would do that. It would be all over my shirt, but by God, I would do it like that. So tell us about. New Veed steaks. Now we've got Meathead Goldwyn is a kind of a regular on this show. We, we love the, We're good friends, old Meathead. Yeah. And uh, um, he actually speaks highly of you, which is good. Um, oh. But uh, he doesn't how did do you, that with very many people. No, no. Especially <laughs> when we're not recording. I'll tell you. But he, he speaks very highly of you, Matt. Um, how did you come up with that? So obviously we have a couple of different methods of cooking, right? You know, the traditional method of cooking a steak, which would be just sear it hot and fast indirect till it comes to temp, let it rest. Right. You know, I think, um, you know, Meathead is a, a great, great proponent of the reverse sear, which I just absolutely love. So it's kind of the exact opposite. He'll call it the redneck sous vide, where we bring it to temp over indirect heat, then finish it over a hard sear which is very similar to sous vide, the French method of basically submerging it in a, a bath of controlled temperature water historically, and then searing it off to create a Maillard reaction. Those are all great. Um, but, you know, for me, I entertain somehow, some way, my wife is inviting people over to our house, like on a nightly basis. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're good at entertaining, you should be entertaining and you shouldn't be outside cooking, maybe unless you don't like your guests. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> the whole idea of Nuvid for me was kind of taking the, the method of reverse sear and sous vide and putting it into one and taking a, a grill or smoker to the ultimate heat, you can do it indoors as well, but basically cooking things with as much heat um, and convection as possible. So uh, a steak, a tenderloin, a pork, whatever it might be, and then undercooking it by, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15 degrees, depending on the cut, and then trapping it the way that great pit masters do sometimes 
you know, and, and foil and then just mm-hmm. letting it slowly rest to that temperature. So what it allows me to do is cook steaks maybe two hours before my guests arrive and cook them as hot and as fast and undercook them and then trap them and they just sit and they just rest and they come up to this beautiful temperature where we get that end or edge to edge, beautiful sear, but medium rare throughout the entire cut. And so it's kind of the same result, but I can just be enjoying my guests and say, okay, are you guys ready to eat? I don't have to step back and go sear something or, or follow that practice. And I serve it all the minute. So I call it new Vide. It's sort of a, a method that I've kind of uh, ingested and I've run it by meathead and, and maybe there's more, that, uh, maybe there's more there that we can collaborate on later on. Do you think it's applicable to larger cuts of meat? Yeah, I think especially for things that need to be cooked more on the, the mid rare to, to medium style temperatures, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be something you would utilize traditional cuts like barbecue, where we're wanting the time and temperature to equal the result on a pork mm-hmm. shoulder. But we've done it on on vegetables, potatoes too. Um, so it is sort of that idea of maybe cooking things way in advance. Um, certain cuts have uh, different use cases. Uh, but vegetables too, even seafood. One of my favorite things to do is to take a whole side of salmon and we did this camping. I put it on a hot fire and let that fire just right on top of the charcoal, just in some foil, just kind of bring it to temp, cover it and just essentially let it kind of poach and rest and marinate for about an hour and a half. And then it was just absolutely just kind of mid rare, delicious, just pulling Mm -hmm. it off the skin. So yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of of use cases for it. I wonder how the, the um the hardcore sous vide people will take that i and i'm and i'm kind of being serious because we've had we've had people on the show that i'm pretty sure they put their cheerios in sous vide every morning you know (laughs) but um because they have gotten they've actually pretty much gotten away from uh goofballs like me and i'm assuming you too and i know leanne for a fact that you know we have an insundry of grills smokers and barbecues on our back patios or wherever we keep them and we've got more in the garage okay the uh there was one fellow i i honestly and i apologize to him i can't remember his name but he was from florida and he was really this sous vide guy and he was very nice and very uh very direct and very uh campaigning for sous vide if you will but he had just gotten down to a small cooker almost like a hibachi and that was what he was was grilling it on at the end and i suppose if it worked it was great but if you're a true uh barbecue snob like a lot of people we know uh and some people on this show um and, and I raised my hand. So, I raised mine. <laughs> I noticed Matt didn't really raise his there because he's got a book to sell. But the point uh, is, I just wonder how the 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 hardcore sous vide uh, chef Steph is like that. She's a big sous vide fan. I wonder how they'll yeah. take that. It, it's not. It's not meant to replace it, right? It's just another idea and thought process. I love sous vide, but there's two things that come to mind when you talk about it. Number one, I need to have the equipment, so I've right. got to be able to invest in something to be able to do it. And then number two, like I mentioned at a dinner party, I may, you know, have put some steaks in and it's in the bath. We've had appetizers. It's time for dinner. I do have to step away and go light up the little hibachi or whatever it is and perform the work to to create the the beautiful sear. So my method is just a a different play on it. It's a lot of the same science and technique and, you know, me and I could, could wander on about temperatures and radiant temperatures and all these other things. So yeah, it's just the same concept. I'm just using a lot of high heat very quickly 
and then using what every pit master uses, you know, something you can pick up at any store and trapping it in foil. There is more science though. If we want to go down the rabbit hole, if I have a lot of steaks, those steaks are carrying more mass and heat energy. So I have to cook those even more under the temp because they're going to continue that carrying cooking time. So there's a whole other subject to explore, but I wanted to give you a taste in this one. I like it. I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm very, uh, very impressed. I, I, I will probably try that this weekend and um, not so much that I always want to get back to my guests. Usually it's the opposite, but I want to stay outside. <laughs> but, uh, but truly I, I found that pretty, pretty fascinating. And Meathead's going to be on the show here in a couple of weeks. So we'll, Perfect. no pun intended. We will grill him about that. Please and, do. Yeah, we will do that. Maybe we'll get a, a three-way V going. You know, I like it. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds <laughs> like Pandora's up. box is going to turn into like, <laughs> oh, meathead. Okay. <laughs> so Leanne asked you real quick, could you do, could you conceptually do like a, a rib roast at Christmas that way? Yeah, I think the rib roast would be just a touch too much mass for the bone and everything else. The way I'll do is a, is a whole beef tenderloin. That's one of my favorite ways to do it. We're going to take another break. We're going to be back with uh, Matt Moore. Uh, maybe we'll talk about his music after that, but he's got a new book, uh, Butcher on the Block. Fascinating and great stories in there, but we'll be back on Barbecue Nation right after this. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. Before we get back talking with Matt here, uh, here is Kel Phelps with his news update from NBBQA. Hey, welcome, y'all, and thanks for listening. Here's what's smoking now. Barbecue season is here, and with the month of May comes National Barbecue Month. Make sure and keep the grill or barbecue hot for the entire month while spreading your love of all things cooking over an open flame. Who knows? You might even inspire someone to start cooking from your efforts. The International Meat Secretariat has welcomed a new report issued by the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations that reaffirms livestock's critical role in healthy diets and sustainable food systems and will make a significant contribution to global understanding of the benefits of meat production and consumption. Does this mean that plant-based meat is on the way out? Hmm, good question. Did you know you could get the latest barbecue and grilling news, recipes, and event listings every month from Barbecue News Magazine? Published monthly for the past 33 years, this is the one place to find everything about outdoor cooking. You can find a free sample issue now at barbecuenews.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening, and until next time, keep it smoking. Thank you, Kel. We appreciate that. You can find out more about the National Barbecue and Grilling Association. And don't ask me why there's no G in their their letters. But um, you can Just go to so their... Just so you'll ask. It's always the question. Yeah, it's it's always the question while they ask. At least you're paying attention, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can go to their website and find out more. But we're talking with <clears throat> Matt Moore today. His new book, Butcher on the Block. Matt's got a ton of books. He's written. They're all very good. 
I mean, South's best butts. I've always loved the titles too, Matt. Cereal <laughs> Griller, Southern Gentleman's Kitchen, uh, South's Best Butts. I think that was the one that really caught my eye years ago. But we've got just a few minutes here. What's your favorite recipe in the book? Oh, man. That's like asking which one of your kids is your favorite. Um, that's why I had one kid. <laughs> I'll tell you, the corned beef tongue Rubens looks yeah, yeah, like that's a winner. It's uh, it's funny when you watch uh the the millennial generation using uh TikTok and and Instagram stories about eating beef tongue, but when you put it in a re a Reuben like uh, Karen did, uh, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think for me, um, just going back, this was also an opportunity for me to to revisit some family history with my great great grandfather and grandfather's butchers, and um, you know, there's not a day that goes by or a week that passes where we don't do something on the grill in kebab fashion. And so uh, I think just the shish kebab, my, my grandfather would always bring home top sirloin ends and trimmings, super affordable, put them through a, a marinade in our family of a lot of vinegar, a lot of garlic, a lot of salt, and just cooking that on the grill. I was camping with my girls this weekend. Everybody had hamburgers and hot dogs. I had shish kebabs. Yeah. So I think it's just there's that smell and that sight that, uh, mm -hmm. that I never... I never tire from having on a weekly basis. You dedicated the book to your grandpa. Yeah, I did. It's, um, you know, for me, it, I got a lot of great memories growing up. Um, I, my grandmother and grandfather on both sides have been a part of, of every book that I've written. Obviously, this one uh, gave me the opportunity to, to leverage his, his life and his career and his service to the country and, um, and, and, and shine a spotlight on it like a lot of folks. I think if you... If you think about it, um, nearly everybody you ask, when, I, when I've mentioned this was what I've been working on the last three years, everybody would scratch their head and say, oh, you know, my, my dad was a, a butcher or my uncle was a butcher or, you know, whatever that might be. So it, it runs in a lot of the family trees that are out there. Yeah, it really does. Well, <clears throat> you live in Nashville. I live in Oregon. My family came out here 1849. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't really familiar with a lot of them personally, you might say, but uh, they came out here and they had to know how to, to, uh, you know, butcher a hog or a steer or something and how to, and they had to use everything. They, they threw nothing away from the tallow to the hide, to the tail, you know, all that. And uh, somehow I'm, I'm, I'm showing my age here, obviously, but we're all close to the same age bracket. Um, those are skills that people need and they don't know it, you know, absolutely really do that i gotta tell you i i i looked at your kebabs i love braised short ribs i just love them and i looked at that recipe and i thought matt steal that from me or maybe i stole mine from matt i'm not sure oh my god <laughs> yeah i mean it, you know like all those cuts right that you walk in and if you've never approached something like that, asking the butcher is one of the best ways to, to get the, the recipe or the technique. And that's a great example of something that, you know, through braising, through technique, uh, we get that fall off the bone quality and then mixing it in a tomato sauce with a little pasta. Never hurt anybody. Yeah, not a, not a problem in the world with that. Um, you know, what recipe I I had never seen this recipe ever. And uh, it's the whole whole hog's head tacos. Oh, and yeah. you actually talk about cooking the head by itself, which I've never done, but I've had a couple of heads sometimes <laughs> laying around. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I 
uh, so now I know how to cook it by on its own. I thought that was very intriguing as well as your scallop rolls with the cornichon tartar sauce, because I'm a lobster roll freak, but I love scallops and I never, it never dawned on me to actually treat it like lobster and make a roll out of it. So I thought that was yeah. a very good recipe as I, well. I love that you highlighted the whole hogshead we got in, in Cambridge city, the rim family. They, that's what they do. They, they process. So they, they, they use everything. And uh -huh. um, Joe, the, the younger generation that's taking over, I think for his wedding, he actually, that's exactly what he did. And there's just so much meat in the cheeks. And, oh, and obviously for those that, that want, they can follow the, the pork shoulder as, a, as an alternate. But the scallop, I mean, prime example, when I, when I went to Red's Best and met Jared Auerbach uh, in Boston, you know, we went to the, the spot. And like you said, I'm a huge fan of scallops. And I'd never seen a scallop roll. So like when I saw it on the menu, I was like, that's got to go in the book. Yeah. Um, just absolutely delicious. It makes all the sense in the world once you try it. And was he related? Thing, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I Leanne. was just going to say the other thing with his recipes, it isn't a million ingredients and things you can't find. I mean, you actually use uh, some product names that are readily available, which is very helpful for people that might be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know what to buy. And you, 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 you're straight up and you, you tell it exactly the way it should be done. I love that. Fresh seafood should be treated very, very simply. And that's mm -hmm. what they're doing. And they have access because he's running a small empire out of Boston. He's changing the landscape yeah, of uh, he is. those ingredients. Is he related to Red Arbach? No. The, the Celtics. I, I, I read that like three times. I'm going, he's kind of yeah, in there. Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys. Now he's, he's his own man. He's, he's, a, he's a great guy. Yeah, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Matt, you got a few minutes. We're going to stick around for after hours. That's always fun. But Miss um, Leanne and I need to uh, to get out of here. But before we go, I want to tell you again, Matt's new book, Butcher on the Block, Everyday Recipe Stories and Inspiration from Your Local Butcher and Beyond. And there's a lot of beyond in it. And there's some great great stories and recipes yeah. um we got to get out of here network's going to cut us off in a minute but we are going to do after hours and uh, we'd like to thank again matt for being on the show his new book butcher on the block remember our motto turn it don't burn it so for miss leanne the aspiring pilot and myself we will see you next week Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.